Well, hey, welcome back to uh, the Gig Harbor Flycast. I'm with John Kovich again today. And uh, if you, um, if this is your first time uh, listening in, uh, we had John on the podcast recently to, just to talk about travel. We talked about all sorts of fun stuff. From, I was in the same outfit too. Uh, yeah, me too. So yeah. we're, we're, this is our part two, but um, but we figured the other one was uh, a good good chunk of time which was about probably the average daily commute. And so yeah, right, you know, maybe yeah. that was on a Monday and here we are on you know, maybe your Wednesday. So thanks for joining us uh, today. And I'm really excited to talk with John because we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Cuba today. And, um, and so the last one was just more general travel stuff. And today more specifically about Cuba because the two of us have done um, quite a few trips to Cuba. John's done mm-hmm. a lot more than I have. And, um, and it's a really interesting place. Um, it's, in most most everyone knows where it is on a map i don't even i don't Um, even know if that's true blake well maybe yeah maybe it's not so um but um you know so so john like when was the first trip you ever did to cuba when yeah um you know i i've been trying to figure that out it was late 90s and i can tell you that brian o'keefe was with o'keefe and we were doing a chapter for randall kaufman's bonefish book so the big, you know, really nice bonefish book that Randall did, uh, we were doing the Cuba section. Brian was, did all the photographs basically for the book, but uh, we kind of got the opportunity to go down and highlight Cuba because Randall did a section on each great destination around the world, you know, sure. and wrote about it. So we were, yeah, we went down to shoot pictures of it and then uh, write a little bit um, about it. So that was 97, 98, something like that. So how were you, I mean, was it legal for you guys to go or how? Is this re- this isn't recorded? Is well, it, that right? was like no, and it, that was like a long time ago too, right? So yeah, well, it was certainly different, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it was different in a lot of ways because that was during the, the special period, which we should we should talk about. Okay. Mention that. Um, so late '90s to go from the U.S., you had to go to Canada, you had to go to Mexico, something like that. So we went through Cancun, okay, and went in and um, uh, did it that way. So yeah, things are pretty markedly different right. now, right? Right. So, uh, so Cuba has had a, um, I mean, the, the revolution has, was 60 years ago. Right. Uh, where, uh, yeah, Fidel threw, uh, over through the, uh, the Baptista. government, yep. Baptista. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, so, so in the nineties, I mean, the, the, the big, I mean, and I'm going to let you talk about it, but mm-hmm. just to set it up is that, I mean, it's, it's when really the, the support of Russia of the USSR, um, we went away. Went away and, right. and left Cuba yeah, you high know, and dry. It was it's such a – I mean, it's almost everything you talk about in Cuba today has a tie back to that time, right? Um, because it was so important. As you said, you know, we all know about the Cuban Missile Crisis and all that good, good stuff. Sure. And so Russia was – or the Soviet Union, I should say – was the partner, but I mean, in all ways to Cuba, yeah, right. I mean, from just a, a you know, all sorts of support, meaning the the goods that came into Cuba, yep. the goods that Cuba sent out into the world, the sugar, the coffee, et cetera, yep. that they sent, and all went to the Soviet Union. Eighty percent of its exports, eighty percent of its imports, and that all went away when the Soviet Union broke apart, right? So Cuba was in really tough times for ten years. Um, and it's it's interesting to talk about it with people if you can talk to like you remember meeting Felipe, yeah, uh, when you were down there, right? Yeah. And his famous fishing guide in Zapata, and you talk to a guy like Felipe about the special period. Yeah, boy, there's a lot to learn. I, I just had something very interesting on a recent trip where we were in Cayo Largo and we were we were eating lunch, 
and our guide, I can't remember how, what, how, how old he was, but probably in his mid thirties, maybe, you know, and he was eating rice with mango, rice with mango in it. And so we were joking around about, oh, you know, it just seemed like such an odd combination of things. And he said, well, he said, when I was a kid, times were pretty tough. And we started thinking back, <clears throat> this was in the mid nineties, right? right? And he said, we, we could get rice, and, yeah. there, and in the summer, of course, we had mangoes all, all summer long. And so right. my mom would mix mangoes with rice. Now, I still like it today, yeah. right? But the average Cuban lost, you know, between 10 and 20 pounds during that, that period. Yeah. And they had to figure out what to do, basically, as a country. And so they that's when Cuba really changed because they reached out to the rest of the world, basically, not to the United States because right. there was none of that happening. Right. But, you know, reached out to Canada, reached out to Western Europe. Suddenly there were resorts that were built, tourists coming on packages from Toronto during the winter to go, you yeah. know, get some sun. And so that made, you know, tourism the most important uh, commodity right. in Cuba, way, way bigger than sugar exports uh, were, ever were. And uh, for us as fly fishermen, <clears throat> we have, we've benefited from, we have. from this, right? Right. I mean, this because is that, when it, it, uh, exactly. um, it kind of started with, That's right. with um, them just developing ecotourism and no it's exactly it's exactly right because they were interested in all sorts of tourists and yeah. obviously anglers um you know provide tourism as well and right. so i don't i don't know the whole story about who in the government had the idea but they you know they somehow got in contact with these guys that were running an operation in the canary islands i believe italian guys yeah and that's who avalon is basically now and so this partnership was made in the place you just went gardens of the queen yep. staying on tortuga was the original fly fishing operation in yep. cuba which happened in 1994 i believe so it's been so up you, and going a long where time. Where did you guys? Did you guys That's, go to? You went to Lato Lato Tortuga. Yeah, we sure did. Like at the beginning. At the beginning, right? You know, so we and the and the sad part about wow. it was that we didn't see anything at Cuba. You know, we we landed at the airport at Jose Marti, and there was a guy yeah. waiting for us. Had a yeah. sign, got into a black Mercedes, a black yeah. Mercedes right. in Cuba, and we drove all the way. To Hukuro, the little port, you yep. know how long that drive is six yeah. six hours. Yep. Got on the boat, <clears throat> you know, went out to Tortuga, yeah. and on the way back we had one night in Havana. You know, there's some stories I'll tell you about that. We'll have to <clears throat> talk about that later. Is that uh, off air? No, no, we can oh. talk about it. It's just some, some funny stuff happened there. But but my, the point really I'm making is that we didn't we didn't get to see sure much of Cuba outside of the fishing. Yeah, right? which is wow. a mistake on our part, but yeah. it was fantastic. So. Um, Man, so I'm just I'm just trying to so on La Tortuga, you guys were one of the first groups to go. Then I would think, well, no, it was it was up and running three or four years. Okay, at that point, but certainly not a lot of people have been there. Right, right, because I mean, still even flats fishing. You know, I mean, flats fishing wasn't that it was unheard of, but that was still in its not its infancy, but in its younger period of growth. I would I would say yeah, right. And uh, certainly Cuba wasn't wasn't on the radar for most people. You know, if you're a North American in particular, yeah, places like Belize were on your radar. Places like the Bahamas were on your radar. Or Ascension Bay, Ascension probably, Bay, yeah. to degree, Christmas Island, certainly. But, yeah. boy, not Cuba. Yeah. Not Cuba, which is one of the reasons it was so awesome. Yeah. Like, so, and I mean, it, it's interesting to think <clears throat> about uh, the country going through such a struggle mm -hmm. and just resource... Um, like resource poor yeah um, right. and, and and then to have um i mean with people just 
hungry. Yeah. Like, I mean, just that being a, a real issue of mm-hmm. people living in poverty and, and just there being so much hunger. And then to have all of this fishing that they have, you know, access to fishing they have around the island. I mean, right. it's a huge island yeah. and there's a lot of salt water. And then for them to, to start setting aside uh, areas mm-hmm. and protecting them right, yeah. and not allowing people to fish them or mm-hmm. um, commercial fishing and stuff like that. Right. Um, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty crazy to think about. Well, it is. And, and it's, it, yeah, there's a lot, obviously a lot of benefit. There's a lot of upside to it. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly downside to it. Right. So one of the sayings in Cuba is that the fish are for the tourists. Right. <laughs> because a local Cuban yeah. loves to eat fish. Yeah. Right. In large part because they can't get it very often. Right now, they can get it if they go out and they sling a hand line off a of Malacon in, in Havana and happen to catch one, right. or if they, you know, if they're close to salt water somewhere else and they can do the same thing. Uh, but in terms of them going to a fish market or something like that and being able to to buy it, right. boy, it's just not available to them. Right, they're getting chicken. They're getting chicken. They're getting pork and they're getting yeah. rice and beans. Right, um, and so it's um, it's sad for the Cubans, right, in that regard. Now, the upside, of course, is as you said. Some of this was really done very purposely, right? I mean, Fidel became quite an environmentalist, right, in the 90s. And he he basically said, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put 30% of our coastline into protected marine areas and national parks and into preserves. Yeah. Wow. And that's what they've done. 30%. Yeah, right. So, you know, you think, yeah, all those places that we fish. Right, yeah. I mean, who else do you see there? You see commercial lobstering, right, in season. That's yeah, the only other that's thing it. that you see. And so that has made it, um, it, it kept it pristine is what right. it's done. And, and, you know, the other part that I always tell people in when they say, why Cuba? Right. This is part of the bigger question of why to go there as an angler yeah. is that when you go to Zapata, for example, which you've been to several times, again, you don't see anybody else. Now, not just you're not seeing commercial fishermen, you're not seeing anybody else fishing right. because they get a license. The outfitter gets a license for a geographic area, and then they won't give a license to anybody else. So yeah. you've they've got that area just for them. You've got it just for you as an angler. Which, and that's the biggest comment I get from customers and why they fall in love with Cuba is they say I feel so isolated out here, like nobody's been here before. You know. So, to to your point, um, one of the things. So there, uh, the hostess on on the Georgiana, which is mm-hmm. the liveaboard boat in the Z- Zapata Peninsula, uh, which is about three hours south of Havana, mm-hmm. um, just just west of the Bay of Pigs. Uh, the the hostess is Denai. Yeah, she's and, awesome. And she's awesome. And but one of the <clears> things, <throat> like when we're there, we're like we're on this boat and we're anchored up, and um, the skiffs pick us up from the boat, and we go out and fish every day. And it's it's awesome because you're there in our winter and yeah. it's sunny and it's beautiful. But I always tell I always ask her to put uh, they have a, like a sound system on the on the boat, mm-hmm. and I always ask her to put on Cuban music, right? Because I, I just I tell her I'm talking about <laughs> reggaeton. Like, I say yeah, I right. don't want to forget yeah. that we're in Cuba. Yeah, right. And yeah. because you know you could be anywhere else. You're, in, you're right. Yeah, in the Caribbean or mm-hmm. in the tropics, whatever. But like, but um, you know it's. It's pretty awesome to be. It's pretty. Awesome it is to, pretty awesome to be there. So, yeah. so the Zapata Peninsula. Um, do you know how many square miles that area is that's protected? Um, you know, I, I, 
I should know off the top of my head. I've got it written down because I've looked it up. It's it's hundreds of it's it's, several hundred it's thousand ma- kilometers, yeah. uh, square kilometers. Yeah. When you look at the whole Zapata Peninsula, right? right? So my understanding is that it is the largest protected area in the, on all of the Caribbean, actually. Right. The Zapata Peninsula is, and I again, if you read up on it, it's kind of like the, the version their version of the of the Everglades, really. So it's all mangroves, it's all sawgrass, you know, it's swampland basically, but. It's incredibly healthy swampland. It doesn't have upstream mm-hmm. of it all the stuff that the Everglades has. And so all that surrounds it is incredible um, habitat for fish to grow up in, right? So it right. makes it a, an amazing nursery. It's a yeah. great place. So there's a mm-hmm. place uh, There's a place close to, so the Zapata Peninsula, so mm-hmm. it's like shaped like this boot. Mm-hmm. And the Bay of Pigs is on the east side of that. Right. And where the Georgiana anchors up is uh, kind of in the western kind of southwestern part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you drive down from Havana, you you kind of you're kind of driving along the Zapata Peninsula. It's on your right hand yeah, side right, yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. There, there's another fishing operation um, that John and I have both been to that is um, where you you kind of uh, headquarter at the at the head of the bay yeah, of Playa Larga. Bay of Pigs, mm-hmm. Playa Larga. And then mm-hmm. and then you drive west um, over to Las Salinas. Right, exactly. Um, and it's it's about 45-minute drive yeah. or so. Mm-hmm. Um, the paperwork always says a half hour. And yeah. I'm like, that is, it's... It's somewhere like, between 30 and 60 minutes, yeah. Yeah, it's closer to 57. Yeah, de- well, it depends yeah. on, yeah, it yeah. depends on the condition of the road. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah, so... Um, but you get to see drive, making that drive through there, driving mm-hmm. through the park. Yeah, you get to see you get to see the swamp and all these birds, and you get to mm-hmm. see. I mean, and you just look around, and you're like, man, look at all these like little hiking trails, and you're like, oh, those are those are from like wild boar. Or <laughs> yeah, something. right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, exactly. It's just yeah, it's fairly no, it's fantastic. It so. is fantastic, and you know, there you know your point there. Part of your point is that there are two fishing operations there, right? Right, and they're really different. They're for kind of for different people, but. Again, the thing to really understand is they don't cross over. You see every once in a while, you see the other guys, right? You'll see, you're like, those aren't our, our boats, but right. they're on the other side of the dividing line, basically, right. and they each have their separate areas. Um, but that land-based thing is kind of cool, too, especially if you're into doing more cultural stuff or you're wanting right. to go with somebody who's not into fishing and they can do echo tours and oh, et we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gonna, yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. So I had sent John... Um, some questions ahead of time, just so uh, so we kind of had a direction of where where we're going, um, mm-hmm. just with the podcast. But um, but so for before we even jump into that stuff, like I mean, let's talk about fishing in mm-hmm. Cuba. Just I don't want to make the assumption that everyone even knows what we're talking about right, and yeah. what you know. We're not talking about trout fishing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So we're right. primarily talking about saltwater fishing. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, with uh, with the um, with saltwater fishing, we're you know, we're mainly talking about bonefish, tarpon, permit, and then there's other fun stuff to to catch as sure. well as like snapper, kudas, jacks, etc. All that snook kind of stuff. On occasion, yeah, snook, right? right yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, where's your favorite place in Cuba to catch you that. a bonefish? That's a terrible question for a bonefish. You, go, you have to revise your questions. It's I have a terrible to question. question. No, okay, I'm just me, joking. Well, well, I'm just joking. No, I mean, I yeah, I was reading through those, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. really hard. It's really hard, right? Um, to come to really make a final decision on like, what's my favorite place to catch a bonefish? What's my fam- favorite place to catch a permit, et cetera. I do think that 
you know, when you're starting, when you're trying to decide on a trip, yeah. right? You have to go through those questions in your mind as to really what's important. Right. And every once in a while you get a guy or a gal who's like all about permit. Sure. But mostly, most of us are like, yeah, I want to get a permit, but. But I want to fish for everything. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, but if I, if it was just about bonefish, yeah. it, for me, it might be, it might be Cayo Cruz on the North Shore because there's so much waiting there. Okay. Right. No, you get a lot of waiting in Zapata. Yeah. As well, you can, get, you can get a lot of waiting in Gardens of the Queen, but you know when you do it up in Cayo Cruz, you're doing these vast expanses, you mm -hmm. know, and it's a little bit like Christmas Island, some of the some of the territory there, and the fish are a little bit larger than average, so you, you're you're seeing singles and doubles that are you know four to seven pounds, that kind of thing. So okay. that might that might be my favorite place okay. just for that. Yeah, sure. Just if it was well, and because had to be bonefish. because some people <clears throat> really want to catch his bonefish. Yeah, I mean, they're um, it's a great place to start when you're mm -hmm. getting into flats fishing and. Um, and I, I've noticed that in, in Jardines de la Reina that the bonefish there are bigger than the bonefish in the Zapata they Peninsula. They are, yeah, on average, um, yeah. I mean, but we're not talking, I mean, so uh, we've been having these daily vlog uh, videos mm -hmm. coming out from our, right, from our I've been watching Cuba them. trip, and it's been fun. Um, and in uh, <laughs> day six, uh, I'm, I'm permit fishing, and there's, this, the big, there's a big school of bonefish. And I just flipped the fly out there and, and just hooked the bonefish with the right. 10 weight uh, with the permit fly. Yeah. And, you know, because I'm thinking if I get a shot at a permit and I land one. Right. You've already caught your bonefish. I already got my bonefish. Yeah. And then I can, go, you know, hopefully go get a tarpon and, mm -hmm. you know, get a grand slam. Right. You yeah. know, big fun. But so I flip it out there and I just hook this bonefish and I just kind of horse the thing in or at least try to. Yeah. Right? I, I get the thing in and it's. You know, it's it's the small probably the smallest bonefish uh, that you know out of our yeah. out of the entire week. I mean, right. we, we we caught like 200 bonefish for the group, right? Mm -hmm. For that week, it's the smallest one. And I make the comment on the video. I'm like, I'm like th this bonefish, like in other locations, pe anglers would be fishing for this fish like yeah. all week long. Like, I mean, yeah. just catching these size bonefish, right. and it's like you're just so. I mean, Cuba, it it kind of spoils it you when it comes to flats fishing. It does. So. And I always tell people, you know, when you look at it's like steelheading, right? And we see pictures of the 15-pound, you know, native, and you're like, come on, that fish. There's no way that fish is 15 pounds, right? And it's the same thing with bonefish, right? When you go to Belize yeah, and you've been catching one, one and a half, two pounders all day long, and you catch a, a four-pounder, right. that four-pounder is seven. Right. Right? Oh, totally. It, I mean, it's just all perspective. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you're right that the, the average size there, particularly in some of those destinations that are a little further away from the mainland, right, yeah. where fish have had more of a chance to grow up, I think, are bigger on average. So, yeah, you know, and I might also say, going back to just um, uh, where I might send somebody mm -hmm. if they said my deal is bone fishing, I probably would send to Zapata, though, I got to say. It's a, it's a, it's all around, it's a better travel. It's an easier travel experience. Sure. It's, a, you know, it's a better price point. You know, there, it, you, yeah. If, if the single, tide isn't single right. Single angler. Yeah, that's a so huge you could, thing. You could just, it's a you huge can wade. Thing, man. Um, so what, at uh, Zapata <clears throat> Peninsula, you, there's, uh, they have a couple different skiffs and um, for the group of eight and you have three days as an angler of single angler fishing and then three days where you're you're doubled up mm -hmm. and so on and those you're almost always doubled up in any other locations yeah right? everywhere else yeah. you're doubled up so on those single angler days you can you can tell the guy you can, you can say hey i just want to wade for bonefish yeah, right and they'll take you to these beautiful beautiful mm -hmm. just you know expansive flats where yeah. you, can, you can just wade and um and, and do what you want to do you don't have to negotiate with mm -hmm. the, with a boat partner yeah right so yeah um which you know just to just to mention 
Man, this last trip that I just did, I had the best boat partner ever. So this guy Eric was with us, mm-hmm. and uh, just the just the nicest guy. Yeah, we, we've become friends over the over the years. He's been a, cu- a good customer and stuff like that. But um, but this was like his first uh, flats trip, and you know, so he caught his first bonefish and tarpon, and he was just having a blast. But mm-hmm. he, but he's like, you know, he he knew that I had been in this like permit drought for yeah, like right. thirty days, right? <laughs> and so you know, if, if we saw if we were in a permit area or we, we would focus on permit for just a couple hours each day, he was always like, get up there. Oh, he's like, nice I guy. can't cast out a permit yeah. until you 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 break your break your slump, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So um, so he was like just crazy generous about that yeah, um right. that you know i think i mean was that was pretty lucky yeah it was yeah it was, it was a gift for sure because yeah. i ended up getting a very nice permit i saw and um, beautiful fish man and so then the, the the thing that was hilarious is that and we have this in in uh in uh, one of our videos so he, i'm like okay man there's still permit around mm-hmm. I'm like i'm just i mean i'm done right yeah like, right yeah i'm like i'm like i'm like try to try to cast a permit mm-hmm the first, I mean, literally five minutes. And for those of you that have permit fish, you know that it's sometimes hours You're standing right. on the bow of the boat just to see a fish, mm-hmm. you know? So he's up there for five minutes. The guide sees a, a permit. He throws a great gas to this fish. The fish chases, follows the fly, and then, and then finally refuses it. And it's right. like a 35 pound oh, permit. Man. Like, wow. just like, like, he's so lucky he didn't catch that fish. Oh, I, t- I isn't I, he? Oh, I would have thrown him out of the boat. Well, not only, not only that, but he probably would never have got another permit in his life. Right. right? That's right. A total way to jinx yourself. Yeah. You, yeah. You just yeah. used up all of your, all of your <laughs> yeah. potential permit luck. For yeah, sure. exactly. So, um, okay. So, so bonefish, I mean, average size mm. fish, it's not like bleeds where they're pound and a half, two pound. Fish. No, I mean, and, and, and as you said, you know, I mean, in, in Gardens of the Queen. Yeah. Or in Zapata, both of those places have fish of all sizes, right? Right. right. I mean, like you talked about that little fish that you caught in the school, yeah. And there's certainly fish there. I mean, both those places that are seven, eight, nine pounds, right? Yes. I mean, there, there, there are. Um, so you, you get a little bit of everything. I, but I think the thing, the other thing I just love about both of those locations is the diversity of habitat that you find just bonefish in. Right. As you said, you can walk, you can wade a hard flat, you can wade a soft flat. You can push back country in the mangroves where fish are mudding around, you know, amongst the the sticks, right? Yeah. Um, you can fish for fishing schools, you know, you can fish oceanside flats, et cetera. I mean, yeah. it's it's so diverse that I just love, it, you know, both of those places in yeah. particular. Yeah, I love those oceanside flats where you're you're yeah, just like too. you're along the beach, and I mean, especially for permit too. Yeah, like that's that's great. But I mean, but bonefish around, around they're a bit there, usually bigger than average too. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you find tarpon there, yeah, they're usually a little bit larger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely right. harder to see. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's it's pretty cool. Okay, so let's <clears throat> let's switch gears. Tarpon. Sure. Um, I mean, they're tarpon go on a migratory route. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adults do, and um, and so there's parts of Cuba where migratory fish. We're talking large fish mm-hmm. uh, that they'll go by, and those other areas that won't get them. Right. So, uh, if people are, are in, interested in, in targeting large fish, when, where, what, what's what's that kind of look sure, like? sure, sure. So, the tarpon migration is generally spring through through sometime in the summer, depending upon the the location. Actually, yeah. some of those extend all the way into the fall. Some kind of end in July, right? Okay. Uh, but that's kind of the tarpon migratory season that you see in Cuba. And I, I should, I think we should also kind of qualify that migratory tarpon on average that you're seeing in Cuba are not 150 pounders. 
They're not what you might see in the Florida Keys or you might see in Costa Rica or someplace like that. We're talking 60 pounders, 50 pounders, 70 pounders, which we all know are the perfect, the perfect fish. Yeah. Absolutely the perfect yeah. fish. Um, so some of the great destinations for those fish are Island of the Youth, which is on that southern side. Yeah. Um, Gardens of the Queen as well. And then Cuba's North Shore, Gardens of the King. Yep. Which was another really good one. Probably the 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 destination has the largest fish on average sure. uh, during that migration. Maybe because they're closest to the Keys or something like that. Yeah. But the other thing, you know, it, that is really important to mention is that, like in a place like you just went to, there are tarpon there every month of the year. Right. right? So you're never, you shouldn't ever go there and not be able to cast a tarpon. Right. Which I think is, again, what makes it such a great destination as Zapata is as well. Right. So, you know, for a person who's wanting that well-rounded sort of flat, flats experience, you know, they can catch a little bit of everything. Yeah. So I think on our, our, um, our last trip, our biggest fish was about 40 pounds. That's a big one for that time of year. It was a great, it was a great fish. We Mm -hmm. got like a 30... 30 pounder that mm-hmm. same, uh, I think it was that same day. I mean, they kind of, the days all melt yeah, together, right. right? Exactly. One of the other guys got a fish that was, you know, 30, 35 pounds, mm-hmm. something like that. So we had, we had some nice fish. I remember last year in Zapata, um, you know, there was a lot of smaller fish, mm-hmm. a lot of like five, 10 pound, mm-hmm. 15 pound fish. But then the last, last couple days, the group started to find in, find some fish on the ocean side. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and what month was that? Uh, March. Okay. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I, I hooked a fish that was 60 pounds. Really? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, ended up losing it. Um, and it was in a huge school of mm-hmm. large, large fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been down to Zapata in, later in the year, too, in the end of April, early May time. And lots of, lots of um, you know, 40, 50 mm-hmm. pound fish yeah. in, in huge schools. Like and schools what's funny about it is it's really not known for being one of those places where you see as many migratory tarpon. But right. You're right. Those months of the year and certainly on those outside yeah. outside places, yeah, they seem to you seem to run into them. Okay, sure. so, so some of the – and we'll get back to different <clears throat> fish species and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, like, some of the operations in Cuba, it's different. Some of them are mm-hmm. land-based. Some of them right. are liveaboards mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So talk a little bit about sure. what, what that looks like. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the first thing to understand is that there are some places that can only be liveaboards. And simply because of where they are. So when right. you went to the Gardens of the Queen Archipelago, Hardinus del Arena. So it's an archipelago that's 100 and some odd miles long, but it's 50 to 60 miles off the Cuban coast. So what are you going to do? You're not going to stay on land and then have to get out there every day to go fishing, right? right. So liveaboard boats make sense because, again, it's a marine park. It's a national park, so they don't allow – you know, there are no resorts that are built out there. So you're forced to stay in a liveaboard yeah. boat. Why? Hey, there's nothing. I mean, I say forced, but it's the way to go. Let's face it. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Zapata, you know, when you want to get access that more remote area is a little boat as well because it's all swampland. So there's no, and again, national park. So there's no building of resorts. Then there are some other places, particularly on, there's more of them on the North Shore in the gardens of the King Archipelago, yeah. named after King Ferdinand of Spain. Um, and there, because that's an important area for tourism in Cuba, but it also has great fishing. Right. But it also it has all these resorts that have been built out there. And so you generally will stay there at the resorts and then access your fishing each day. And it's cl- luckily, it's pretty close by. Yeah. But it's a different feel, right? Because yeah. you're then with general tourists. You're with families and couples. and Canadians. You know, yeah. Canadians and Europeans. Yeah. Yeah. A lot which, of Canadians, which, man. Which is, which yeah. is great. I, yeah. You know, I, I have, uh, there's a couple of Canadians that have done several trips to me that I love. I mean, these guys yeah. are just they're excellent 
Um, but it's kind of funny talking with uh, people in Cuba because they they really like Americans because the Americans they want to like they want to see they want to see the cities they mm-hmm. want to like talk to people and and they want to spend money they right. want you know whereas a lot of the Europeans and the Canadians they they just want to get out of the winter yeah right so they, they exactly. fly down and they just go straight to the resort and mm-hmm. they go sit on a beach or sit by the pool and they do that all week long and they don't go anywhere and they go back to the airport and fly home yeah and right so, so you know as far as like you know for the Cubans like you know it doesn't that that kind of tourist spending and stuff like that doesn't trickle trickle out into yeah. the economy of, of just the regular people like mm-hmm. like yeah, Americans true. just come and it's want true. to see the old American cars and all that kind of yeah, stuff right. you know so I got a question for you what is the uh, what's the most popular MLB pay- baseball team in Cuba which one do they know the best the average this Cuban. is my podcast you don't ask me so what do you th- come on you should know this now okay um, what's and, and it, it goes along with the hats that you see people well, wearing and i see i mean I, I this last trip i noticed a lot of new york yankees hats. Really? okay yeah yeah um but i'm thinking you're gonna say that it's not the yankees no no what is it toronto blue jays man the toronto blue absolutely jays. Oh and it's because gosh. of all those canadians going down there yeah. so they bring toronto blue jays hats and well, yeah that's crazy because yeah. you would think that the uh that those cubans would know something about baseball <laughs> oh, they, they do. They do. They know everything about baseball. When you say you're from Seattle. Right. Right. They'll say, ah, oh, los marineros. Yeah. 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 I mean, and right. so, and that's one of the, the cool things about, about Cuba is that it's big on baseball. I yeah. love baseball. Yeah, we, we actually try to go to a baseball game. Yeah, I know. There. It didn't work out, but it, my next trip coming up, when I go in November, I'm going to go to a Cuban baseball game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. Is it what, in it's Havana? Awesome. It's the in, Industriales. That well, the that, the, the Havana team the is Industriales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right. Um, and they sucked this year. They were, you know, I mean, they were, you know, they're from the big city, and they got they got um, really kicked around. Destroyed. We went and saw a game when I was there. Yeah. Um, in November. And we got there in, uh, I think, the third inning, and it was like six to nothing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the other team, it was Las Tunas, I think, that was playing them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They got killed. Is that from, they're from Camagüey. Las, well, well, no. yeah, Camagüey. Well, the, all those all those places have teams. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, so there's um, how many provinces in Cuba, and every every province has a yeah. team, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to remember. Where the well, there's Las Tunas, Camagüey, Santa Clara. Yeah. You know, Island of the Youth has a team, uh, or Pinar del Rio has a team. Yeah. Et cetera. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Baseball. Yep. Okay. It's awesome. Jo- jo- join us in Cuba. And we'll go to, <laughs> go to a, a baseball game. Right. So, um, so on that North Shore, there's more resorts. Mm-hmm. The South Shore is more where more of yeah. the liveaboard stuff Gen- is. Generally speaking. And I some mean, of these liveaboards yeah. move around mm-hmm. depending on the season, if it's like during right. the tarpon season or stuff like that. So right, exactly. the of the youth or different areas. Of yeah, the I mean, it's just it's a simple, you know, I mean, for the outfitter that yeah. has to kind of organize the stuff there. So they're selling to fly anglers, by the way. Right. They're selling to echo tourists, selling to divers. Yeah. And so you're right. They'll move boats from place to place depending upon where, you know, like when the tarpon migration happens at the island of the youth, they'll bring a boat over there. Right. Whereas the rest of the year, it's out in Gardens of the Queen so that divers can use it and echo tourists. Okay. So island of the youth, you go there for tarpon. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I mean, what can you expect in a day of fishing? Well, it's, again, it's it's tarpon fishing and they're migratory fish. Sure. Right. So we just always have to say that. But they, they also do have tarpon that are there every day of the year. Now, it's a unique habitat. So, you know, I mean, everybody get out your map, you know, go to Google Earth and look at yeah. the map of Cuba. And Island of the Youth is the largest of the islands that surrounds the Cuban mainland because they've got several archipelagos, right? And it's a really big landmass. And it's at the very western end of what's called the Canareos Archipelago with Cayo Largo at the other end of it and Zapata just to the north. 
So just to give you a little bit of an idea. And for some reason, during the tarpon migration, um, a lot of these bigger tarpons show up there. Obviously something about the habitat that the fish love. There are lots of channels there in between the islands. There are lo lots of dark um, colored bays, like those tea-stained kind of bays mm -hmm. that the you know, fish will just you know, sit in, yeah. lie in, super cool. The reef is not far as well when you're out there in the boat. The reef is pretty close by. And, the, you know, on the right, with the right conditions, there'll be tarpon right along the reef, which is super cool. Um, and what to expect? There can be anything from a couple fish jumped in a day to, you know, a dozen fish jumped in a day. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I've been there several times. And, and, you know, I know that one of the questions you had kind of in my preview was what's the best, you know, the most memorable tarpon day you've yeah. ever had. And I couldn't think of one, but the most memorable tarpon uh, trip I've ever had was to Island of Youth. You know, and yeah. it was it was really amazing. Part of it was it was at the infancy of that operation. We were at the beginning, you know, sure. so people didn't know too much about it, including the people, the guides I was with. <laughs> so our guide was a guide named Manolo, who's now kind of famous there. Okay. But he was getting trained. And I was uh, the manager was this guy named Federico, an Italian guy, super cool guy. So there were three of us in the skiff. And we just had the time of our lives. There were fish everywhere. Yeah. And we were just taking turns fishing. And, um, you know, a lot of the, again, a lot of the fish were in that 60 pound range. Yeah. And so they're, you know, they're 11 weight fish or 12 weight fish, really. Yeah. Right. I mean, you catch them on a 10 weight, but why would you want to when you're in a channel that's a little bit deeper? You're mm -hmm. fishing a sinking, a sinking line. Okay. And, you know, that fish, you're pulling hard on a 60 pounder. You're going to land it in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, sure, right? Sure. If you're a pretty good angler. Yeah. So how much of that do you want? Well, we, you know, we would switch off and we'd maybe jump, you know, a dozen fish in a day that were that size. Wow. And it was just phenomenal. Yeah. It was just great. And it's really one of the premier tarpon destinations in Cuba or anywhere in the Caribbean. And still you were renowned. there in like April, May time? I was there. That was June. That June. was, okay. I remember being there on Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a funny story. <laughs> this is a funny story because we were out with, in the boat. Manolo, I hope you're, you know, I'm not going to bust you on this. You probably don't get this in Cuba. But we're out in the boat, and it's really hot, right? It's third week of June. There was no wind. Yeah. And we're out there, and uh, we caught a couple fish, and we were having a break. And I looked at Manolo, and he was just, I can just tell, he's just, <laughs> just <dying>. tapped. <laughs> and I said, Manolo, you know, que pasa? You know, why are you so tired? And he says, my mistress is wearing me out. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned a little bit about Cuban culture, you know, right then and there. So that is, you know, common that all the men seem to have a, you know, a mistress or girlfriend on the side. Yeah. But anyway. Or at least the ones that have money. Yeah, yeah right. All the, all exactly. No, I think it's culturally, it's just a different, it's a different deal. Different but place. anyway, it was an incredible trip and I would highly recommend it if you're really into tarpon. It's not a place to go if you're wanting to catch a lot of bonefish and, and uh, have a lot of chances of permit, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know? So again, those are important conversations well, Okay, so have. let's talk about the greatest, <clears throat> most special fish mm -hmm. on planet oh, Earth. What is that? <laughs> trigger fish? <laughs> Actually, I really like fish. Uh, I can't trigger say fish, trigger but, fish. But permit, um, permit, the palometa. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> it's, you know, once you've, uh, you know, uh, what I'm trying to remember what Rigo told me that, um, uh, man, yeah, because it, I mean, it's once you get hooked on permit, it's uh, yeah, it's over, isn't you, it? yeah, you're over, you start getting just tunnel vision, you're yeah, like, all right. I see is permit, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, tell me about some of your permit fishing, um, 
experiences yeah, down there. Yeah, right. Well, it's funny because I, I really didn't ever start permit fishing hard until until I really got in Cuba. I'd been to Belize, some other place in Mexico, and I'd hooked a permit here or there. But again, I'd never really spent much time at it. And so I, I really started doing it in Cuba. Yeah. And as you know now from being there as many times as you have, I mean, it's it's got some incredible permit opportunities. Now, there are some places that are really famous for permit, yeah. and there are places that aren't as famous for it, but that are still incredible permit destinations. I mean, sure. the Gardens of the Queen is not the, I mean, when people talk about the best permit destination in Cuba, it's generally not, right. you know, the top one. Cayo Largo, right? Cayo Largo, Cayo yeah. Cruz, yeah, right? Okay. But go to Zapata. Zapata has a ton of permit as well, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Cuba in general has some great opportunities for permit, but in terms of some uh, memorable fish, I know I've told you this story, but um, uh, one of the first permit I caught in Cuba was with um, Bemba, who's one yeah. of the famous guys there. And, you know, we um, the first day that he and I were fishing together, I had, I had him for the whole week by myself. It was one of those trips where wow. I was, I, I had kind of organized the trip yeah. and we were an odd number and um, I had a guide for myself the whole week. Well, that's, that's I should have shared them. I know better now. <laughs> I know better now, but I did. I had them for the whole week. And the first day we saw a school of fish, and they, yeah. were, they were going fast in front of us, and I managed to get a close enough cast that fish peeled off and ate it, you know. And so, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was really striking to think back on it because I'm fighting this fish, and Bemba is being as professional as a guide can be. Sure. Right? He's saying, hey, let the fish go go. He said, I'll pull after it. Right. So yeah. we'll keep up with it. Keep the rod high. Yep. Don't touch your drag. Right. Right. Just calm, professional, you know, keeping me really in the right space. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we finally get the fish close and he anchors the boat. He jumps out and he tails the fish and he tails the fish. And as soon as he does, he starts screaming. Right. <laughs> if you ever tell the story and he's like, pumping his fish, he's like, he's going nuts. <laughs> I'm thinking this is really bizarre. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we do the whole thing. We take the pictures and we let the fish go and we high five. And I say, Bemba, what is the story? You were so calm and right. now you went crazy. And he said, well, he said, put yourself in my place. He said, I'm a professional fishing guide. Yeah. I fish out here. I've been fishing here for 18 years. Right. As a guide. And every year I get anglers from all over the world to come here. And it's the only trip that they do in the year. Most of them. It's their only saltwater trip they do in right. the year. They can't cast 30 feet, most of them. <laughs> sure. They can't see the fish, right? And even if they can see the fish, we've got to find a fish that will eat the fly. We've got to find a fish that won't spook. Right. We gotta, if we hook the fish, we've got to find a way to keep it out of the coral. And yeah. so he says to me, that permit was number 53. He had them all counted sure. in his head. Yeah. And he thought that was the 53rd permit he'd landed in 18 yeah. years of being a guide there. Right now, wow. Bemba's over way over a hundred now, right? Sure. And so that really stuck with me, yeah. as as how special those fish those fish are. Yeah. Right? But you know, I got a couple other permit stores. I got a really big one, you know, by pure luck. I got a thirty something pounder that's just crazy, you know. But I think one of the more memorable fish was I was with Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos. Remember yep. Juan Carlos? I got caught my second permit with Juan Carlos. Yeah, Juan Carlos. What's his nickname? Remember his nickname? No, I don't. He, I don't think I ever knew his he nickname had one. is the radio. The radio. <laughs> you know why? He's always on it. Exactly. No, because he won't shut up. He talks the all the time. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's a different Juan Carlos. I, may, I don't know. So Juan Carlos, yeah. who's been a guide in Zapata, the land-based right, operation yeah, yeah. forever. Um, it, this is the first time I went there. Was back when they didn't have any motors on the boats. 
Oh, right. Wow. And so you saw, remember, you've seen those little blue, blue boats, yeah, plastic the, boats. Stick. <laughs> yeah. And so we, it's the first day of fishing, and Juan Carlos is my guide, and we have to pull an hour and a half before we can start fishing, right? And you got this little ten foot plastic blue boat, and right. he's got a push pole that is a stick, yeah. right? And he's pushing, and we're going, and he's talking the whole time, yeah, right. About everything, politics, life in Cuba, you know, how the United States is bad and, and Russia's good. You know, I mean, it was really interesting, yeah. but nonstop talking. Yeah. And uh, we're going across this bay and he says, he says, sometimes we see permit here. So he said, look, as we're going across. Yeah. We didn't see a permit, but we get in the back country and we catch a bunch of bonefish and it's 2.30 and he says, we got to head back now. Yeah. Right? Because he's got to pull another you know, hour and a half. Go back. So we're pulling back. Yeah. And he's talking. Juan Carlos is talking. And I'm sitting in the front of the boat and I'm looking at Juan Carlos and I see something and I go, that was, like it's a, that was a permit, right? It's all a tail. But I, don't, but I don't say anything because it's, you know what I mean? You think you see something. Right. So he's still talking and I'm looking and I see it again. And I say, Juan Carlos, there's a permit back there. And I grab the, my 10 weight, right? Yeah, yeah. And this fish is coming, you know, I mean, it, just at the right angle. Right? Yeah. So we got the skiff like this and the fish is coming this way, right? Right? And I get all the line and just as I get all the line off the reel, the fish is in the right spot and I make one cast, lead the fish and it just grabs a fly. He oh thinks my. I'm the greatest permit angler on the planet. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where I saw the fish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was cool. I didn't, I didn't say anything about it at first. Right. I only had to make one cast, you know. And so, you know, still to this day when I see Juan Carlos, he's like, do you have any of those flies? You think he, he still remembers the fly. It was an Avalon fly that was a little different. Avalon. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, those, that was one of the fish I really remember. That trip, I caught two permit and three casts, um. actually. <laughs> and then I went a year without catching one. Sure. You know, just the yeah. way it goes. Just the way it goes. Yeah. yeah I, I, um, it, so I got, caught a permit on this last trip, but I had not caught one since 2016. Yeah, right. Juan Carlos. Like, it was, I mean, I had hooked a couple fish mm -hmm. and, like, I mean, I, I remember Zapata hooking one. It running around all these boulders on, like the, on the beach. Oh, you're on the outside, yeah. Yeah, I ran through the boulders and just broke me off. Ugh. Like it was nothing I could do about it. And uh, I hooked one uh, in Hardinas this last trip where I go, go to set the hook and I just had a bad hook set on it. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know how I screwed it up. I, yeah. I, mean, I was just, I was too jumpy or something. Right. But, but like, oh. Yeah, man. you were thinking too much. Yeah, or I've had like where I've had a fish. And this is, I mean, one of the things that's crazy about Cuba is that there's just so many fish yeah N not just the fish that we're targeting but there's right. all of these i mean it, it, you're fishing in an aquarium and so i i had this giant mutton snapper like he like oh, huge mutton snapper. that was traveling with a permit mm -hmm. the permit was excited was following the fly coming to it and i thought there were two permit mm -hmm. but it was a mutton snapper right. next to the permit yeah. and it comes over eats the fly of course takes off and you know and then this last trip i had a a large jack Creval mm -hmm. eat the fly instead of the permit. And there was two permit with, the, and then the school of Jacks and like, yeah. you know, I was convinced I had a permit on yeah, I saw right, the permit. Right, and right, then right. the guy's like, no, it's a Jack. And I'm like, what? No, it's not <laughs> like, so it's, oh, yeah. it's just pretty crazy. So Kyle, Kyle Cruz, Largo. But if you want to fish for, you want to fit, you want to have like the, the full experience of, mm -hmm. I want to fish for permit, you know, in the morning on that rising tide, I want to, I want to go fish for bonefish in the e, you know, in the afternoon, right. I want to fish for tarpon, the whole deal. Yeah. There's, I mean, the two that stand out are Zapata and Gardens of the Queen. Okay. Right. Those are the two that really yeah. stand out. Now, the season can, can change that a little bit, right? Sure. So if you went to Cayo Largo 
in April, May, June than their tarpon there, yeah. migratory tarpon. It's got incredible bone fishing and it's got great permit fishing, what it's known for. And the same thing will happen on Kyle Cruise on the North, North Shore. But they're different in that neither one of those places has a large population of resident tarpon. Sure. So if you want to go in November, like you're, you and I are doing this year, if you yep. want to go in January, February, March, those are places where you can go and expect to see all the species of flats fish that we know every every day of the year. Yeah. Right. So speaking of November, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going first week in November. You're going the second week in right. November. Do you have open spots on your trip? I've got one. I've got one open one. spot at the moment. I have, I got a lot of open spots. So um, if you want to spend a week with me or spend a week with John, yeah. um, we're both going to, to Zapata Peninsula <clears throat> aboard the Georgiana. Yes, and we so are. So yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. But um, but the, the, the new kind of thing you've been doing, um, I mean, you've been doing, doing the fishing stuff in Cuba for a long time. Mm-hmm. The new stuff that you've been doing now for the last couple of years is doing more of the cultural trips. Mm -hmm. uh, and on right. our last podcast, uh, when you and I talked about travel stuff, we talked about cu culture and getting to experience that. But I mean, it's pretty special going to Cuba is, and yeah. experiencing uh, just the culture of Cuba. And I mean, what are some of the things that you just love about uh, Cuban culture? Well, I, I think I think the thing to really understand about it is that if you've been to Europe, if you've traveled in Europe, right? If you've gone to Paris or if you've gone to Rome, right? What you do there is you make, you've got your list of things you've got to see in Paris. I've got to go to the, see the Champs-Élysées. I've got to walk through Luxembourg Gardens. I've got to go up the Eiffel Tower. I've got to go to Sacre Coeur. It's all about sites, sure, right? Sure. And that's not what Cuba is about, as you well know, right? right? So when you're in Havana, sure, you got to go see Parque Central yeah. and you got to walk around old Havana, right? But it's not about sites. It's about experiences. I I think that's that's yeah. what I really try and impress upon people because life is so different there, right? The Cuban people themselves are so different there. What's important in life there is so much different than what's important here. Yeah. What's important there is time with friends, experiences with family, right? They value that so much, and you see it. And partly it's because of just the way life is there, right? They've had to rely on each other for so long because life has always been tenu you know, been tenuous there for yeah. let's face it, for this last sixty years and maybe maybe longer than that. Right. We know there's no you know, people aren't on the street starving. Everybody has a home, but they live just on that edge, right? So in order to get by, they all help each other and that changes the way that life is. So when you see you know, when you walk around the neighborhoods and you see the people that are sitting on their front porches in the evening in the shade, yeah. talking with each other. You see the men under the tree playing dominoes. You see the kids in the back alley with a crappy old soccer ball right. playing soccer. You know, it's it's about the experiences. And so, yeah. you know, when we do these cultural trips, and by the way, we do we do two different ones. We do one that is pure culture, sure. and we do others that are a combination where you do, you know, three or four days of culture, and then you fish for fish, three or four yeah. days. It's to me, it's about the experiences. So having that, you know, we go to a, a school, for example, and, and when we go to this primary school, I've gotten to know the teachers and the principal now and some of the kids. Yeah. And, you know, being able to interact with those kids off the charts. Great. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, me, you've got now a list of people that you, you know, right. There are Cubans that you know. Right. And introducing those people to your to your group, yeah. whether they're a guide like mm -hmm. Camilo, the cigar guy, or, you know, my Tomas. friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Or yeah. my, my friends, the musicians, Diami and Javier that, you know, I always take people to, Yeah, you know, those, they're all friends now on Facebook with my customers. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's kind of what happens in, in Cuba. So to me, it's about the experiences and, and 
there's nothing I like more in Havana than going on those back streets in Central, you know, or or being on the outskirts and 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 having to be a little bit uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, getting lost a little bit. The good thing about Cuba is you're never in danger, right? It's right. not a dangerous place to travel. Right. But going to those back streets, that's when you see life there. I, I did get I got lost with, no, the, it's easy. with a group a couple of years ago and we were in in uh you know the old, old part of it and, and at one point i'm like i don't even know if we're close to where we're supposed to be yeah like, right I mean, yeah it was and it we weren't yeah <laughs> it was, right we were definitely like yeah it was it was kind of crazy yeah so no, but i love it yeah i think one of the the things that i really like about um about going there is uh i mean when people when people go for the first time it's it's about oh i want to see all the old cars sure. and, and you know and, that, and that's great and that's mm-hmm. cool but um the music is incredible. It is. And, it's absolutely um, unbelievable. It's and and it's amazing that you can go into you can go go to a small cafe mm-hmm. um, or you know go, or go see a show somewhere or whatever. And the uh, the caliber of musicians um, that I mean, it's it's just yeah over so, the over the top. I mean, yeah. I, I went to a jazz club uh, this last trip. And, Which one? By uh, the, way? the El Cuervo y, uh, y um, what's it called? Yeah, it's in Vedado. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. It's on on twenty twenty third. Yeah, yeah, right. So and um, I mean, and we, I mean, it's fifteen bucks to get mm-hmm. in, and it, that included two two drinks, right? right and yeah. so, um, and the the band that was playing, I mean, it was a it's a small venue, mm-hmm. um, it just over the top good, and right. like or like we went, uh, we did a, a dinner thing, um, El Guarjito. Um, uh huh. Right. And, oh my gosh! Like we got to see. There was original members from like the Buena Vista Social Club mm-hmm. that were there, like you know, in the, they were in their eighties and yeah, stuff. Right, and, yeah. I mean, just just inc- is just incredible. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I I love seeing that part of it. But yeah. then, like you know, just getting to know the local people is really interesting. The, and, and but here's the thing that I really want want you to talk about is that w- life in Havana is very different than yeah. life in the countryside. For and sure. if you go to Jardines uh, de la Reina and you're going to take the bus ride. Uh, you, you mean you mm-hmm. get to see plenty of the countryside, and you get to see how you know the rest of the country lives. Yeah, and it's right. a big island. It's seven, yeah. what do you say, seven hundred? It's almost eight hundred miles from east to west. Yeah, eight hundred miles mm-hmm. uh, long, mm-hmm. and so it's not. So Havana is not all of Cuba. No, it's not. Right. But it's funny, right? So as you said, the island's almost eight hundred miles long. Yeah, it's got eleven million people. Two million of them live in Havana, right? And it's funny when you get to know Cubans and you you know you hear them joking about each other. There are only two kinds of Cubans: they're those that live in Havana and everybody else, right? That's and hilarious. the people that live in Havana think everybody that doesn't live there is a farmer, right? And the people that live outside of Havana thinks that everybody that lives in Havana is a snobby city, you know, uppity kind of a person, sure. right? So it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It, it, it's markedly different. No, no question about it. I mean, Havana, you you have to experience Havana. You you can see, you can see the potential of that. So you can see what it was. It's all just under the surface, right? Yeah. It's so amazing, um, and and you can see a lot of life in a in you know in a couple of days there, right? So you can get a lot of exposure pretty quickly in Havana. And then in the countryside, I mean, all you have to do is when you're if, when you're flying in to Cuba is just look out the window of the plane. Right. And as you're on approach for you yeah, know that shocking. twenty minutes, you're like, yeah, you're like, it's, it's green fields. Yeah, it's green. Yeah. Right. And it's largely a an agricultural island for right. sure. And 
and uh, you do have to recognize that when you travel outside of Havana, it's not all amazing. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of Cuban towns that all look the same. And there's not much there for you to see unless you're really that kind of adventurous traveler that wants to, you know, carry the camera around and go on back streets and do that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just really, you know, the case. But there are a couple of famous places that they're not undiscovered. You're going to see other tourists there, but they're famous for a reason. And they're amazing, right? And so those a couple come come to mind are Vinales. Mm-hmm. Have you been? You haven't been to Vinales yet. Not yet. You've been to Trinidad yet? No. So those are two that really right. you know come to mind. I mean, Trinidad is one of the old, the original Spanish cities, right? And it's a UNESCO cultural heritage site, and it's just beautiful. Uh, but Vinales is kind of my favorite. Yeah. You know, because what's cool about it is it's pretty close to Havana, so you can get. It's west west of Havana. Yeah, it's west of okay. Havana. It's in Pinar del Rio province which is famous for growing tobacco, right? But what's cool about it is, this, you know, you're, again, you can do it in a day trip, really, sure. from Havana. It's a okay. long day. Yeah. I recommend that you go spend a night or even two over there because yeah. you get to experience what you just talked about where you're doing that long bus ride to yeah. Cardenas. You get that in a couple hours. So you're now you're outside of the city. You're seeing the fields. You're seeing them, you know, the guys tilling the fields behind oxen. You're seeing all those people that are hitchhiking along the freeway, right? right? You're seeing the horse carts and all that stuff. But, yeah. you, you know, I mean, you're not seeing um, every day in, in when you're in Havana. Right. And when you get to Vinales, it's stunningly beautiful. It's a unique habitat in Cuba where it's this valley that is ringed by these incredible rock formations. And the air from the ocean, you know, flows in and then and then stays in the valley so it makes it cooler and it makes it great for growing tobacco and it's verdant green lush and i can't get enough of it yeah. and i try and go there there every group if i can and we've got you know made great friends there and great accommodations you need to go yeah honestly and i'll introduce you and yeah you'll you'll want to go every time yeah it's stunning. i'm planning on it yeah so it's great <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. awesome mm-hmm. so um what other other aspects of the cultural trips that you guys do um i mean what are some of the other parts that well that are the standout yeah some of the standouts for me so you know when we're in and around havana as i said to me it's about the experiences so we'll do uh the car rides you know we'll get the classic american cars and tour the city we'll do a walking tour of old havana those are things you kind of everybody has to do right gives you a lay of the land but the stuff that i like to do again is the stuff that i think is Gives you the experiences. So it is, like I said, going to the school and spending an evening in the apartment of my friends that are musicians, you mm-hmm. know, that I think is so fantastic. It's spending time with Camilo, the cigar guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, you get a, um, you go and do that cigar uh, tour, which is awesome. But Camilo is, you know, he's one of those guys. I mean, he just wants to talk. He wants to go have a drink with you. I sent some people there recently. They were not even customers. They're just people I know here yeah. that live near me. And uh, they got back in this. He said, we spent a whole day with Camilo. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> they said, yeah, you know, we did the tour with him. And then and he said, why don't you come out to my house, you know, tomorrow? And they spent the whole day with yeah. him at his house, right? <laughs> That's awesome. And so, yeah, it's 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 really about those experiences, you yeah. know? So, I mean, I just like you, I mean, maybe I've got a little bit longer list than you do because I've been there a few more times. Right. But I got a long list of those people that I want my customers to meet yeah. and to interact with. Sometimes it's just a taxi guy. Did I send you the picture of the worst taxi in, in all of Havana that I use regularly now? I don't know, but I, 
I think I might have been in that. You one. might I, have. I flagged one down. You might a, have. A couple you know, years ago, and I it's, was like, "Ooh, it's, this is a mistake." Oh yeah, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> a trip earlier uh, last year, in the middle of last year, it, we got dropped off of Parque Central. Yeah. You know, on our way after after fishing, and we were trying to go to our little guest house, and you got you know a mountain of luggage, and there's five of us. Yeah. And so we're trying to get taxis, and there's this one guy that is he's trying to get us. Yeah. As opposed to us trying to get him, so right. immediately you don't want him, <laughs> yeah, right? But he was persistent. Yeah. And finally, I'm like, okay, dude, you know what I mean? And he says, I can get all you in the car. I can take all your luggage. I said, what are you talking about? He's, all like, He's got this luggage rack right. on top, and he throws everything up there, and he doesn't tie anything down. And he puts <laughs> stuff in the in the trunk, which doesn't close, and right. then he straps stuff onto the back of the <clears throat> trunk, and he opens the door, and he's retrofitted the whole inside of the taxi so we could all pile in. And, yeah. and I mean, it was he didn't turn it off. Because he can't, he can't. No, no, because no, no, he has no. to jump. I mean, he has right. to compression start it, right, to get it started. <laughs> and he's selling. Then he's selling stuff inside the cave. Okay, he's got sunglasses for sale <laughs> on the front, right? And now I use him constantly, really? right? Him and his son. I mean, I I've got a Cuban cell, yeah, because it, it's as a you know I'm kind of guiding in sure. a way, so I can call my taxi, I can make reservations at restaurants and that kind of stuff, and I'll call him up, and say, yeah. Rodolfo. I need you. I need you and your son. Yeah, they've each got a car, and you know he's reliable. And it's it's a gas. It's he's reliable. Old, I mean, the car the car it, is not broken they, down on me yet. Really? Okay. But but two different times he's had a compression start it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've we've only had one mechanical issue in a <laughs> uh, yeah in a, in a car when the yeah. guy had to pop the hood and just start. He just pulled out a hammer and just started <laughs> banging away and then closing it off. We went. Yeah, it's amazing, aren't they? Incredible. They're yeah. so resourceful. I mean, when they open that hood. And you see the engines in the cars right. and you see what they've done to retrofit those cars. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, and it, one of the things that stands out about Cuba too is that um, there's, I mean, compared to like going to Mexico or, or other countries, I mean, Tacoma. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's just, there's no garbage. There's very little garbage. And, and, and partly it might be because, you know, everyone's got a job and so mm-hmm. I mean, people are cleaning right, up yeah, garbage. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think part of it might just be the resourcefulness of the people that, like, they... they yeah, don't throw stuff away. They don't throw yeah. stuff away. Like, everything gets turned into something. Like no, it's they, true. They use stuff. It's true. And everything gets fixed. You know, yeah. I mean, even the... You know, I mean, besides things that are obvious, like cars, right? Yeah. Uh, rice makers. Right. I mean, everybody eats rice in Cuba. Yeah. Right. And they have rice makers. The rice maker goes out here. I mean, you go and spend 50 bucks and buy another. One. Well, no, right. in Cuba, there's a shop that will fix your rice maker. Right. <laughs> there are. And they're that, that guy that's yeah. fishing, fixing your rice maker is then going to fix the sewing machine and then is going to work on somebody's coffee pot and right. then is going to build a, a BC bike taxi thing. Right. They can do air, yeah. anything. It's incredible. And might not be re- replacing the parts with the manufacturer. Oh, he's uh, certainly not yeah. replacing the parts with the manufacturer's recommended yeah. part. Yeah. Okay, so we, we didn't get into this part, but but we probably need to talk about it because uh, people are, um, you know, are, are, you know, always ask me, mm-hmm. isn't it illegal to travel oh, right, to, yeah, yeah. to Cuba? Didn't the Trumps just yeah. shut everything down? Why didn't we start know, out with this? Like, we should have started yeah, out with right. this, but, um, but this is the gold at the end that sure. uh, for all those that, that sure. stuck with us. So... Um, let me talk a little bit about just um, what, what it looks like yeah. for, for people to legally travel to right, Cuba. Right. And well, I mean, it is a bit confusing. Let's lay that out there. And that's why we're here. That's and it why might you're cha- here. It might change by the yeah, time this goes exactly, live, too. Yeah, exactly. So. It's like the weather, right? Yeah. So the one thing I always tell people when they, they say that to me, isn't it illegal to go to Cuba? I mean, and they, they you can tell that they're kind of really questioning the validity sure. of things. I always say to them, there are 17 daily flights 
from the U.S. to Havana every day of the year. So if it's not legal, why are there 17 flights a day? Right. right? So that's the thing I start out with. So American flies are Delta flies are JetBlue flies yeah. are blah, 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 blah. So, but things have changed. So what Trump has changed is most importantly, he's reduced the number of legal categories of travel, right? That's in itself a little bit confusing. It used to be under when, when Obama opened things up, the, the big category of travel was the people to people category, right? right? Which meant that um, they, they were encouraging US travelers to go and interact with the Cuban people. And that was your excuse for being there. It couldn't be tourism right. because we still had a travel embargo to Cuba, yeah. right? So it couldn't be tourism, but it could be interaction with people, which was basically tourism, let's face it. Sure. So Trump has, that's one category that's gone, for example, and there are fewer legal categories of, of travel. Yeah. So that's, so you have to go under one that's a legal category of travel. And there were a couple that work out for us pretty, pretty well. Yeah. The other things that have changed is you can only fly into Havana now from the U.S., right. whereas before you could fly into, you know, Camagüey, yeah. Santa Clara. Yeah, we had to cancel so. flights and rebook. Yeah, and so it made it, it made it a little, you know, it's, it's certainly still all fine. But right. when you're going to some of those more remote fishing destinations, it means that you've got to do those long overland trips. So, again, you have to organize your trip with somebody that will, that's aware of that mm -hmm. and is honest with you to tell you, hey, understand that you've got right. this long bus trip at the beginning of your trip or whatever. So anyway, right. you can only fly in and out of Havana now. Um, they um, reduce the number the places that you could stay at. There's a list of places that you can no longer stay at. Generally, they're big resorts sure. that are owned in, you know, where the Cuban government has a share of the ownership. And the idea is that, you know, as a traveler going there, you're then putting money into the coffers of the Cuban government, which perpetuates a communist society, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's ridiculous because when you go there and you stay at a casa, yeah. like you do, yep. they pay a nightly fee to the Cuban yeah. government as well. Yeah. So you're doing the same thing. Oh, sure. uh, the cruise ships are no longer allowed to go there yeah. um, US, from US ports as well. So those are the things that ha have changed, but yeah. it's still totally possible to go. Yep. I, I do encourage you to do it the right way. Talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. I, I encourage you to have the paperwork that supports your trip. I think it just makes you breathe easier. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah, do you want to take that risk? And it Otherwise, only costs you know, a hundred bucks to get the paperwork. Yeah, right? that, that's so exactly right. If you do like, it, if you're doing it the right way. Yeah, pay the yeah, hundred bucks, get, exactly. the, get the thing and, mm -hmm. and you're all good. Yeah, so, so we certainly, you know, we're a professional agency. We try and do things that that way yep. because, you know, I mean, they want this business to be going on a long time. So yeah. they don't want to put themselves at any risk. So they do, do it the right way so that you're protected and we're protected uh, yeah. as well. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for being on the podcast Thank today. Thank you, Blake. And um, you, have, uh, you have some cultural trips coming up. Um, I do. Boy, I've got next. a full I've got a full year. This year is full and booked and everything. And I've got, like you said, wow. one trip in November. November. I've got one, one space on. Other ones are all full. And I'm really kind of planning my trips for next year. Now, generally speaking, for me, and, you know, and I think you kind of work this, this similarly, but the cultural trips, in a way, I let people come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, because uh, a lot of times people come to me and say, hey, it's you know, my, me and my wife yeah. and we've got another couple, you know, uh, four people, a couple other couples who would like to go. And then we work out a trip sure. together and we plan it together. Right? Yeah. So generally that's they're a little bit um, uh, grassroots, if you want to call them, call sure. them that. Yeah. Know? The other trips, 
the fishing trips right. because there's only limited space on the boats. We have to kind of plan out. Totally. The culture trips, I'm a little bit more free and easy okay. about. So right? you're looking at doing some for 2021? Absolutely. Yep. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm planning on doing a cultural yeah. trip 2021. Uh, John's going to be helping me kind of put some stuff together because it'll be kind of my first cultural trip down there, but yeah, you know, it'll it. be my eighth trip to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but John's got some stuff, so you can reach out to John, johnkovich.com. Follow him on Instagram. Um, you can, he, it's just John Kovich on Instagram, right? Um, yeah, it's actually Cuba Fishing on Instagram, I believe. Oh. And Cuba Fishing Outfitters is my little, you know, yeah. deal here yep. that's yep. on the mug. Or Flywater Travel, of course, sure. as well. Couple, yeah. A couple of different ones. Yeah, Cuba but I encourage people to, you know, to, you know, reach out to me directly. I like, yeah. I like getting the phone call. Go to my website. Call me and ask me questions about Cuba. And now you've, I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. The other, the other thing I'll point out too that I didn't mention in the last one is that um, that John has a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and Cuba Fishing Outfitters right. is your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And he's got some great uh, overview videos of just talking about the different marine areas around Cuba, mm-hmm. what to expect uh, fishing at those different places. Uh, and so you can also connect with John there. And, yeah, uh, yeah those great, have been helpful. Great place as well. So, Good. hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. And make sure you subscribe. Uh, also, all of our interviews are on YouTube, so you can check them out there as well. And uh, and we'll see you on the next episode.